Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody. It is the LLB DFS Strategy Show. We've got another two-game slate to talk about. League Championship Series getting underway. A uh, bunch of zeros on both sides of these series. 3-0 for the Rays, commanding lead of that series. And then 2-0, surprisingly, Dodgers down in uh, against the Braves. Couple couple wins for the Braves last couple nights. And uh, we might be getting down to one-game slates here pretty soon. I'm joined by Adam Scherer. As you can see on the screen, what's up, Adam? How was your uh, your MLB night last night in NFL? If you played, uh, NFL went okay. Uh, got a one, one like the hundred dollar single entry on the Monday Tuesday slate, so that was nice. Um, MLB uh, was looking really good for a while, but then I ended up losing a little bit. Uh, how'd you do? Uh, I played a little bit of MLB on FanDuel. Um, didn't go very well, and then uh, I, I had a couple decent lineups in the showdown. The ten dollar. Uh, but as that goes, like just one one touchdown at the end can um, can swing everything. So I ended up dropping out, lost about half my entries uh, on DraftKings for that. But that's actually like I felt pretty good about that. Like only losing half in a showdown when you're, you're like max entering or I played 100 lineups last night. And so uh, you basically have to get a split. But uh, I saw a pretty reasonable lineup one. And so I kind of felt bad I didn't have that out of any of the, the four, three or four hundred that I crunched out. Do you ever check that when you're playing showdown to see if you had the winning lineup? Yeah. Um, well, especially cause I don't, I haven't been 150 maxing uh, too much. So like, I know the other day I went back in, uh, um, I think it was, it was like NBA, um, the lineup at the top, which of course for impact had, um, yeah. I, I looked, I was like, oh, that's a good lineup. I, pr- I feel like I might've, uh, had that one if I won 50 max and it was like my 50th ranked lineup. I was like, shit, oh, no. that would have been a good time to, to play 150. But uh, yeah, it's, it's always like, you know, the main thing I look for with the showdown is like, did I set any rules that prevented me from yeah. getting this lineup? Because that's obviously like, if you didn't, ha- like if you just don't have the winning lineup, whatever, you can't learn that much from it. But if you were setting rules that prevented you from getting it, that's obviously something you can take into the next slate. Yeah. So I do that. Like, um, you know, if you only allow like one running back per team and showdown, I've been bit by that. Um, so I, I try to like loosen up their restraints as much as possible, but I, I've, I've deleted that. most rules that I consider just as a result from like looking at lineups at the top and being like, Oh, wouldn't have even made that. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I, I went from when I first started, cause showdown has been like a huge work in progress for me, um, because it is such a different game and there's, you know, kind of a lack of, I guess, blueprint for it 
And so my first thought, like when I started was, you know, kind of over correlating and trying to like make like the perfect lineup in terms of correlation. And now I've gone like the exact opposite and barely set any rules because it's a one game slate and who the hell knows. Yeah. But it's basically just been as a result of checking lineups at the top and being like, oh, wouldn't have made that. Have you played any MLB showdown at all? That's the, well, no, I haven't. I, I played NBA and I played NFL. Yeah. I haven't played too much MLB showdown. I'm trying to, I, I have looked at it. Like I played it a couple of times and I'm, even like the top players, I'm trying to figure out if there's any sort of strategy or, or edge to be had there other than just like picking the guys that hit home runs, right. um, maybe relievers, but they, when they first started the showdown slates, like the relievers got extra points. And so that was like a huge edge because people weren't playing relievers that much. Yeah. I remember um, writing like a reliever breakdown article when I first started at Osmo. Yeah. I, I, I remember reading that. So I used to play those guys and did okay. Um, but then they took those points away. And so now it's, uh, it's really tough to, to win these MLB showdowns, but we do have projections and ownership for that. So um, I think you're probably ahead of the game if you've got those tools to work with at the very least. Uh, today, we are sponsored, as you can see in the upper right-hand corner, by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. They uh, don't have MLB contests out just yet for today, but they do have some pretty big NFL contests. Um, I think you had a pretty big NFL year on Yahoo uh, last year. I know you had a couple of sweats. Um, yeah, yeah, I did really well, and um, especially before they put in the CSV import because I was just staying up all night hand answering 150 lineups, and I would guess there were less than 10 people doing that, so it gave me a pretty big advantage over the field. Yeah, and so you mentioned the CSV edit. They do have that now, so um, you know a lot of these tournaments are like 10 max, 25 max, so if you're not a 150 max, but you want to play against some softer competition, uh, playing some NFL DFS over on Yahoo is uh, – I think it's a really smart thing to do. They've got like a $1.25 max with 2K to first. You know, you might not win the 20K that you would win elsewhere, uh, but you also have to beat less people. There's probably more casual people um, that you're going to see over on Yahoo and then less pros. Um, so lots of good things going on. Uh, they've also got a $3 no management fee contest that you're not going to find a better tournament than that uh, this week or any week in uh, NFL DFS. So go over, support Yahoo. They are helping support us let's get uh let's get into the games actually really quick uh we do have mlb projections for free today we unlock those for uh anyone uh that wants to check those out nfl rankings are also free and then uh pga projections so pga tomorrow do you play much pga uh not as much as i probably should um it's one of my favorite dfs sports to sweat i just um, a lot of times it's like Wednesday night and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like mm-hmm. doing PGA. So I guess I'm not playing. Yeah. yeah, I feel that for sure. Everyone says it's the best sport to sweat. Uh, I guess I haven't really had too many sweats, so I, I can't really <laughs> relate to that. But I, yeah, I, I go in spurts of playing PGA. I was playing it quite a bit uh, in non-COVID times during MLB, just looking to try to play another sport. Um, but then... Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I just get away from it. But Yahoo does have a PGA contest as well, if you guys want to check those out. All right, two games today. Uh, the games are the same order as yesterday. I believe the same lock time, 6.05 p.m. Eastern, so an hour normal than a usual lock, although we don't really know what a usual lock is anymore with COVID because the scheduling for everything in the entire world is uh, out of whack. But we got the Dodgers and the Braves 5.6 implied total for the Dodgers. 
4.1 for the Braves, Julio Urias and Kyle Wright are your pitchers. 7,800 for Urias, uh, 7K for Kyle Wright. Um, Dodgers expected to win this one pretty convincingly. Uh, more often than not, they're a minus 183 favorite, but they've been favored in the first two games and uh, it hasn't really worked out for them. So huge total uh, going up against Wright. Is there any way that he succeeds here? If the Braves win this, I mean, they'd be up three nothing. So obviously, this is, they'd obviously be in trouble. But I'll say, if the Braves win this game, the Dodgers are just in trouble because you have to beat Kyle Wright. Um, yeah. You you can't lose this game. I mean, you look at for for one, he's just not a great pitcher in general. But even if you kind of look at it from a matchup standpoint, uh, Kyle Wright comes into this game having allowed having struck out sixteen percent of left-handed hitters this year, allowing a two thirty three ISO, two fifty six expected ISO, and then you get all this left-handed power from the Dodgers. I mean, it, it's baseball. Obviously, the Dodgers can fail, but on paper, it sets up as about as good a spot as, as you can get. Yeah, and so that, that's why you're seeing the big total here for the Dodgers. I mean, talk about it every time. They just have a stacked lineup. Um, the righties hit righties well. Like, it's just never going to be an easy spot going against L.A., especially in a playoff game where you know you're getting the A-plus lineup. Um, I, I would imagine the Dodgers are going to be one of the more, uh, like, all these guys are going to be, uh, tops in terms of their position and ownership. Um, looking at the top stacks tool on, oh, I've got FanDuel up. Let me click over to DraftKings and see where the Dodgers are. They're number one in terms of top stack percentage at uh, almost 43%. Their top value is actually second on the slate and ownership is number one, but they're still coming in a little bit uh, under owned compared to um, their top stack percentage. So I'm fine getting to, a bunch of Dodgers here as much as I can possibly get to. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have too much Kyle, Wright. I crunched out uh, a couple hundred lineups uh, in prep for the show. And uh, yeah, a bunch of Dodgers bats right at the top. Mookie bats, my highest exposed hitter on DK and uh, yeah, Bellinger, like all these guys down the line, 20 plus 30 plus percent for me and uh, very little, Kyle Wright. In fact, I got one share out of 150 with the slate started right now for Kyle Wright. He's only had 11% ownership. Um, I, I guess the reason to play him would just be getting uh, anti-correlated with the, the top stack on the slate, the most owned stack of the slate. But is there any other reasons to, to look at him here? No, that that's the entire reason is, you know, if 40 something percent of the field is stacking the Dodgers and an even higher percentage of that is playing some Dodgers bats, there's going to be you can you know at least consider just kind of saying okay maybe i'll get lucky because that's all you're trying to do really if you're playing kyle Wright is uh maybe i get lucky maybe uh the dodgers hit some line drives at people instead of over the wall and half the field stack you know doesn't do well but um i i think that he deserves low ownership he's getting this slate's kind of unique out of the the three championship slates we've had so far because you've you kind of had like yesterday you had really mediocre pitching across the board um I mean Ian Anderson's good but it was basically the pitchers pretty much projected about the same um the slate before that you had again pretty similar pitching uh now you have the slate where you have um Tyler Glass now who's really good you have Granke and, and Urias who are both fine and then you just have Kyle Wright like falling off of a cliff in terms of his ability as a pitcher relative to the other three. So I think this is the first time that we've had like one offense that really stands out as being great. And one pitcher that really stands out as being below the rest. Yeah. And I, I, my stance usually on these short slates is just play whichever pitchers like have the, the top raw points. 
Um, the pricing is usually pretty soft um, and maybe take a value bet here or there. Like no one's going to be completely unowned on this slate. So it's just trying to get guys that you might, that might not have um, or, or getting different combos than the rest of the field might have. So playing a hitter or two against your pitcher. I think if you're playing right, you want to probably still allow a, at least a hitter against him um, because he's probably not throwing a complete game shutout here. I think for, for right to be in the lineup, maybe he goes like five, six innings allows a run or two and picks up a handful of strikeouts. And then um, a couple of the other pitchers, glass, now Granky, Urias, whoever it is, a couple of those guys disappoint. And uh, you just ended up with 13 to 15 points from right. And uh, he ends up being a top two pitcher that way. But yeah, I mentioned it with Josh yesterday. One thing that I've liked doing is if you are using Fantasy Cruncher to make your lineups, they added, I think last week, the the boost feature, which is mm-hmm. really, really useful. But I've been using it here um, because like, if I'm making a bunch of lineups, I don't want – I don't want to set it so like I can only have one, a maximum one hitter you know, against my pitcher, but I also don't want the majority of my lineups to have like three or anything like that. Um, so I've been using the boost feature to just take, you know, like 10% off the projection if the pitcher, the opposing pitcher is in the lineup. So I'm getting a mix where some of my lineups are still going to have a couple of guys against him and, uh, and others won't. I think that's a good way to do it. Um, and, and this slate in general, it kind of goes back to something that we talk about a lot where there's a difference between when you're talking about being contrarian in a good way, there's a difference between just rostering low owned guys uh, you, you don't want to just look and say, oh, this guy's too popular, can't play him, or this guy's low-owned, uh, he's a good play. You have to think about it in terms of probability of success versus ownership. And so, like, yesterday, for example, um, if I had played 150 lineups, I would have had, like, 85% Ryan Yarbrough because he was by far the lowest projected ownership out of the four pitchers, and I had all four pitchers projected relatively similar. similarly. Uh, not really the case today because Wright is such a difference from the other pitchers. Um, it, it's not going to be forcing him into a bunch of lineups because I think the, the probability of his success is so much lower. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at the top pitcher tool, right, is technically under owned, but he's still like almost like a third of the top two pitcher probability of a guy like glass now, or even cranky and about half of what uh, Arias is at. So still very low, even though like he does have an okay chance of being a top two value. Um, if he had more strikeout upside, I'd be, probably more excited to play him and just hope that he, he racks up a few or strike out per inning or something like that. But just doesn't strike out, uh, like you said, enough lefties um, for me to want to consider playing a ton of right. So I'm not going to have much, certainly not going to have much on FanDuel. If any at all, he's 1% owned on FanDuel. So usually that's a guy I just cross off or I end up with none of anyways. Um, and I'm pretty comfortable going with the other three guys and mixing and matching them on DraftKings. Arias, uh, biggest favorite on the board going up against this Braves lineup. Um, how have they hit lefties this year? I keep forgetting uh, about the Braves specifically. Um, their splits between righties and lefties. So I'm going to pull it up actually right here. Uh, on the season, if you sort by WRC plus, they are smack dab in the middle. 101 WRC plus versus lefties. Um I think I've got the active roster on here. Actually, let me sort by active roster. But anyways, um, while I'm filibustering here, is there anything you like about uh, Arias against the Braves here? So I think this is kind of an interesting spot. Um, where is the other? Yeah, okay, so we, we actually have the Braves getting a little bit more ownership than, than they should. Um, Arias, they, the, the statement from Dave Roberts was kind of 
contradictory. I think the they're looking for five to six innings and 75 to 90 pitches. I, I don't really know how he's going six innings on 75 to 90 pitches unless the Braves are like really aggressive and he's throwing a lot of strikes. But um, I, I think the most likely outcome is that you're getting four to five innings from, from Arias. Um, it, it's a cheap enough price tag where I'm still somewhat interested. If the Braves ownership comes down a little bit though, it's such a talented offense in terms of the hitters that that's a spot that I wouldn't mind getting to in tournaments. I, I do respect Arias. I think he's a good pitcher. He's not someone that ideally I would want to target against, but the problem that you're, you're going to run into when you think along those lines is outside of Cal Wright, I don't want to target against any of these pitchers. So, um, you know, taking a chance on relatively low owned Atlanta bats that, you know, this lineup has so much power top to bottom, um, you know, basically outside of Nick Markakis, everyone in this lineup has power. You'll probably have Johan Camargo in here who has plenty of power from the right side as well. So if their ownership is going to be low, this is a spot that I think you can look to, to, to differentiate. Like, for example, I would rather go to the Braves bats than Kyle Wright if I'm looking for relatively low owned plays from this game, since everybody's going to be on the Dodgers side. But outside of, you know, contrarian plays and, and obviously um, Marcelo Zuna's cheap, is a, a catching option batting fourth. Um, I, I don't think it's the highest probability spot because I do think Urias is good, but I do like getting to relatively low on Braves. Yeah, I like it as well. And like anytime you can play Freddie Freeman lefty-lefty and he's probably going a little bit under-owned. I mean, the, the other options at first base, if you look at DraftKings, there's only four of them. Um, Choi is at 30%, Muncie at 29%, Freeman at 23 So he's the, thir- the uh, third highest owned guy, I guess the uh, second lowest owned guy. It's another way to put that. Gary is the only one getting less ownership than him. So I like that. Um, especially. If, like if you compare from this game, if you compare the Atlanta bats to the Dodgers bats in terms of ownership right now, Travis Darno is the highest projected ownership on Atlanta at uh, just shy of 27%. Every hitter on the Dodgers, except for Jack Peterson, AJ Pollock and Chris Taylor is projected for more ownership than the highest owned hitter on Atlanta. So, you know, obviously the probability of the Dodgers having success is much higher but it's baseball. It can't be that much higher. And when you just think in terms of raw ISO and the amount of power the Braves have, their ceiling is just as high as the Dodgers in terms of of just power. Yeah. And they're a little bit difficult to fit in, which makes them even more intriguing. I I wonder how they're getting so much ownership. Is it, is it just because it's Darno um, pulling up the Braves total ownership because the top stack, uh, or the, uh, the ownership share can be a little bit deceiving at times if there's like one or two guys that are getting 30% ownership on a short yeah. slate and then everyone else is at 15, 10, something like that. Um, and so yeah, I, I don't even know Acuna, if it's going to be. There are no Acuna, Freeman, Riley, Ozuna, Swanson, Albies are all between 20 and 27%. And then Camargo is at 10 and Marquecas is at five. Yeah, so if you throw in one of those guys, Marquecas, um, or did you say it was... Uh, so eight, nine, if you throw in one of those guys, if you're four or five man stacking the Braves, um, you're not going to be competing against a lot of the field if you get that one bat right. So something I always like to do on uh, on these short slates, who would be your favorite bat uh, on the Braves? You can only choose one factory and ownership and everything. I think it would be Acuna just because his ownership actually looks like it's going to be in check here. You know, as you said, it's sort of difficult to find the salary you have the righty lefty matchup there so um Okunia or if you can't quite find that money Marcelo Zuna at 4200 yeah uh, I would choose Acuna as well it's always Acuna or Freeman for me that doesn't matter righty or lefty like uh, I, I do think Ozuna kind of jumps off the page as being underpriced in terms of his upside 
I asked Terry this the other day, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I just thought about it right now. Why I get so much Acuna and guys like Betts and that. Um, but I usually do like the same randomness in Fantasy Cruncher for uh, most all hitters, but I'll put a bunch of guys up to like uh, 1.5 times the randomness I would use for everyone else. Like super high upside bats, like Betts, like Freeman, Acuna, and then there's a handful of guys kind of on each team that I'll boost their randomness to try to get them to show up. Uh, in more lineups, even when they don't project as good values. What do you think of that strategy? Is that something you do at all? Um, I don't do it right now, but it's something that I don't remember if it was baseball or a difference. I think I was doing it at one point for basketball to try and get more stars and scrubs or something. I don't remember. Um, but it's something I've tried in different sports where I felt like I wasn't getting to enough of the, the top plays. I don't remember what sport it was. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's a viable way to do it. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we talk about it a lot with because people always ask about like randomness and uniques and stuff. And it's just a matter of making sure that whatever you're doing fits with the rest of your process to get the desired result. Um, so yeah, I think that's one way you can get to the result. I have a completely different process that I don't do that anymore, but it's because I don't need to. So yeah, I think that's a perfectly good way to do it. All right. I think we've uh, hit on everything in this game. Um, yeah. Let's move it on to, uh, to the next game here. Tampa Bay and Houston, 4.7 implied total for the Rays, 3.9 for the Astros. Tampa minus 140 favorites here. Glasnow on the mound, a uh, guy with a massive strikeout rate on the season. He is at, let's see here, he is at 38% uh, in the regular season and then had a couple nice starts so far uh, in the postseason. Going up against these Astros, 3-0, you got Glassdown on the mound. Seems like a pretty good spot for a uh, for a sweep for these, this Rays team, and I'm sure everybody would be – well, most fans would be uh, pretty happy with that, getting these Astros out. What do you think about the matchup for Glassdown going up against the Strohs here? I think he's obviously the highest upside pitcher on the slate. I mean, he comes in with that 38% strikeout percentage, like you said. Next highest is Granke at 24%. I do think if I'm looking to leverage against any one particular pitcher, this would be the spot that I go to. Um, we kind of mentioned it with Atlanta and, and Urias, but Urias is at like 44% ownership. The Braves are still most of their hitters getting around 20%. You look at this matchup here, you have Glass now right now on DraftKings projected for 67% ownership. You have the Astros bats, um, the highest owned hitters, the highest owned hitter projected in ownership on Atlanta or on Houston is Bregman at 25%. Everyone else below 20. Reddick, Springer, Maldonado, all below 10. So this is a spot where I do think you're getting legitimate leverage over the field just in terms of, of raw ownership. And it's still a team that has a lot of power. Um, one thing I like for Houston is that they don't strike out a lot. And if you look at Glass now, he's basically a three true outcome pitcher. Like he strikes you out. He walks you. His walk percentage this year is 9.2%, or he gives up a bomb. He's allowed 1.7 home runs per nine this year. When you take a team like Houston that is very difficult to strike out, you're at least to some extent increasing the likelihood of those the two favorable outcomes and lowering the, the strikeout. So yeah, I'm not saying that I think last night was not a great play or anything like that, because I think that he is. But when you consider the, the ownership disparity here and it only being a two-game slate, I think Houston is a spot that you can get in a pretty favorable position against the field. Yeah, I mean, only under under 20% K rate for the Astros against righties this season. That's pretty crazy, um, especially because a lot of their best hitters are from the right side. Um, 102 WRC plus, so a little bit above average. But yeah, like if you're trying to, I agree, because if you're trying to leverage against um, a pitcher with a super high strikeout rate, um, guys like Scherzer, 
Glass now, Garrett Cole, guys that do give up some home runs. You basically just want uh, your Astros hitters, if you're playing them, to put the ball in play and hope good things happen. So, yeah, I mean, going up against this team with sub 20% K rate, um, yeah, I, I, I at least think it's worth a try. I've got a bunch of Houston hitters that are around 20% in my exposures over on DK. Um, top stacks. They're a little bit, they're a little bit overowned um, on DK, but that's only because the Ashers are so uh, underowned, even though they're the highest owned team. Um, so yeah, I, I like playing some Houston bats, maybe a hitter or two against Glass. Now that being said, Glass is my highest owned pitcher on DK. Got him in eighty percent of my lineups right now, um, and I'm. I'm assuming a lot of these lineups do have at least one Houston hitter against. I allowed for two for this crunch. Um, so maybe a couple of them do have two, but if you can pick the right guy that, that hits a home run off class now, or, you know, an RBI double or something like that, that's another way to just get a little bit unique um, versus the field. So what would you, be thing you mentioned with last now too, um, he's gotten better at it over the years, but he's still not very good at holding runners. He gives up stolen bases. Um, it used to be that if you got to first and had any semblance of speed, you could just basically walk to third. Uh, that's not the case anymore, but you can still run. And so Kyle Tucker in particular, I think looks really good, um, should be able to steal basically at will against class now, but you know, also guys like Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, like they run enough that in a favorable matchup in a game where you're not expecting to score a lot of runs. So you're, you're, you're looking to be more aggressive. I would expect them to be running if they get on base. Yeah. And uh, speaking of being more aggressive, um, are you worried at all with your uh, eyes and Granky that with their teams being down in a hole, especially the Astros, like if he struggles the first couple innings, um, it, him getting pulled really quickly. I'm not. I, so, so I'm not overly concerned because it, like if he's struggling, like really struggling, then whatever, he's not getting points, whether he's in or not. Um, you know, like if he's, if he gives up four runs in the first, at that point, I don't really care what happens because I already lost. Um, but as far as like the game plan being to get them out particularly early, I'm not too concerned about it. If you look at the Dodgers, um, for one, they already said, you know, they're looking for five to six innings, but also like Alex Wood threw 40 pitches yesterday, Adam Kalarik threw 28 pitches yesterday, Dustin May threw 21 pitches two days ago. So I don't think that the bullpen's really set up to be in a position where Dave Roberts is going to be actively looking to, to get Urias out early. As far as the uh, Astros go, their bullpen is kind of just a, uh, a wild card. So I fully expect that they would much rather have Zach Granke out there, you know, pitching through whatever jams he gets into than going to whatever they have in their bullpen. So I'm not overly concerned with the leash on these guys. Granke did a really good job of limiting power, uh, 0.8 home runs per nine on the season, still a respectable 25% carry. He's not the guy that, um, you know, we saw a few years ago, but still a respectable pitcher, 7,500 here. Um, I have him as my third highest exposed pitcher right behind uh, Julio from the Dodgers, but um, 4.7 implied total against is a little bit concerning here. That probably has some to do with how bad the Astros bullpen is. Um, but what do you see for Granky going up against the Rays? I think he's the second option on the slate for me. He's, he's pretty close with Arias. Um, I, I think that he's just a, pretty good pitcher uh, his strikeout percentage you know second highest on the slate he's someone that from a dfs standpoint i typically don't roster a lot but that's because a lot of times you see his salary be kind of elevated because of the name value and 
you know, normally you have more than two games. So he's priced around guys that strike out a lot more hitters, but that's not the case here where he has the second highest strikeout percentage on the slate. He's in a, a decent matchup against Tampa. He doesn't walk guys, which is nice. It helps to keep the pitch count in check. It helps him get a little bit deeper in the game. So um, definitely like Greinke here. I, I think he's the second pitcher behind last now. Yeah. I didn't even realize uh, how much the field likes him. So we've got him at about uh, in about three fourths of the lineups right now over on DK uh, on FanDuel, Granky's ownership. Let's see. My mouse is freezing up on me. Uh, he is at 40% over on FanDuel. So substantial on uh, on both sites. If I can get in glass now, uh, the way my rankings process works, I'm able to get a lot of the, the top raw point pitchers in. So if I'm able to get glass now, I'll choose him pretty much every time um, because he's the favorite because he's got the higher strikeout upside and all that. Um but I am getting to a lot of a lot of Granky uh, as well. So hopefully the pitchers are uh, doing their thing in this game. Maybe give up a solo dong or two and uh, take bats from the other from the other game is what my strategy is going to be. Um, any specific hitters you want to talk about in this craze lineup uh, that you're targeting against Granky? I don't think so. No, like th- there's no one guy in particular. Um, if you're looking at his numbers this year, he did have a much higher strikeout percentage against lefties, actually twice as high, uh, 32 and a half percent against lefties, 16% against righties. The power numbers were a lot worse against righties. So uh, 220 expected ISO there, 126 to lefties. So if you are looking for, you know, one hitter in particular, I think you're looking to the right side of the plate. Randy Rosarena would be the guy that stands out. Uh, M- Manny Margot, only 3K is a, a solid value there. Again, if maybe if Tampa goes with um, a right-handed heavy lineup, I thought there was a chance they would yesterday with Urquidy. They didn't. But if you see like Hunter Renfro sneak into this lineup, I think he'd end up being a good play. I like it. I like it. Uh, Emacs in chat. So he's going to perk up when he hears Hunter Renfro uh, being mentioned on this show. Even even the chance at a pinch hit at bat, I think Emac will probably have 15, 20% of him. Uh, people talking about BVP in chat uh, multiple times, actually. I don't, I mean... Why BVP doesn't matter in the regular season. It doesn't matter in the playoffs in terms of your DF, It shouldn't matter in terms of your DFS process. I mean, maybe as a tiebreaker, if one guy is I can ever see using it as like, if you're hand building a lineup and you really just can't decide between two guys and one of them has good BVP, then sure. But when I used to go on, when I used to first start playing MLB DFS, uh, before I was watching you and Lafayette on fan vice back in the day, um, I used to just go online and search like batter versus pitcher stats and just build my lineups like that. <laughs> so I would just have like the worst guys, like the eight hitters. It was back before, I think I was playing on FanDuel. It was back before they had like lineups uh, posted on the site of like confirmed players. So I would just be playing all these guys with like two for three BVP with two <laughs> singles against the guy batting eighth or not even in the lineup. And, uh, yeah, then I realized that that's not a very good way to go. So don't worry about BVP, guys. Don't be like if me. you are going to use it also, um, it, it's 2020. Go to Baseball Savant and look at BVP, like average exit velocity against the pitcher. Don't just look at, you know, this guy's three for four. Um, you shouldn't be using either one to build your lineups, but if you insist, at least use like the best version you can. Yeah, so like and the difference there would be like a guy could hit two for three with two like infield singles against the guy. But if a guy's, you know, gone up against X pitcher 15 times and he's hit a hundred mile exit velocity 10 times or something like that, maybe you take that into account if you're uh, trying to use a tiebreaker between two guys, but 
<clears throat> the correct way to use that terrible stat is to pay attention to strikeout percentage and pay attention to how hard they're hitting the ball against the pitcher. That being said, don't use it. Yeah. So good point anyways, but yeah, don't worry about BVP guys. Uh, you should worry about signing up for the NFL express package. Really cool thing. Uh, we just added a couple weeks ago. All of our showdown content is included in the NFL uh, express package. So it stays the same price, three ninety five per week. You get uh, express top stacks for the main slate, uh, express lineup builder, and then uh, showdown projections, ownership, and top plays. It's kind of amazing how big showdown uh, has become. It feels like a couple of years ago, maybe like even early last year, people were still skeptical of showdown, but I think it's an awesome game for casuals. And obviously when it's a good game for casuals and it attracts a lot of them, it's going to bring a lot of uh, pro players there as well. Um, so use the tools on the site. Express is uh, just three ninety five. That's a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, don't get your coffee today and uh, sign up for the uh, the weekly pass here. I guess it's a cup of coffee at like a Starbucks. Are you a Starbucks guy, Adam? No, I've never been to Starbucks. Oh yeah, we were we just talking about that the other day. I, I talked about it on the show with I think Lofty and Josh or something. Oh yeah, know, yeah, definitely yeah. had this conversation this week. But yeah, never been to Starbucks. Uh, didn't drink coffee at all until like two years ago, and then now there's a coffee shop like right around the corner from my apartment. So I just go there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a cup of coffee at your, your fancy coffee shop down the street. I mean, seems like a no brainer when you get all this content, uh, included for just four bucks per week. And, uh, you also get in premium slack where we got office hours, uh, Josh, myself, mostly for hockey for myself. Um, so when that comes around, we'll do office hours if you're interested in that, uh, Ben Rasa for uh, PGA. Josh is doing NFL. All his Excel sheets, his pretty spreadsheets are in there. And uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. Steve Buzzard, the Colts, uh, who we just added a great addition to the team. He's doing some office hours in there. One of the top pros in DFS over the last few years. Millionaire maker winner. So uh, just another reason to uh, join us. Coming up. We have the uh, NFL strategy show with Lafayette, Matt G, Kyle Dvorak. And we'll be live before lock 515. That will be Emac, who is in chat with Greg Ehrenberg. Uh, and then MMA strategy, Jason Floyd, Pete Rogers. Uh, tonight, 730. And then uh, PGA live before lock with Ben Raza and Jason Roslin for the CJ Cup. Uh, that's going off tomorrow morning. I'm not exactly sure the lock time, but uh, they'll get you prepped for that there's no not to roster uh tony finau or dustin johnson yes dustin johnson i did see he has covid so i think that's a good reminder i think i made a thumbnail for uh, one of jason's shows with dustin johnson so i gotta get that out of there swap him out for whatever uh other top players playing so he was in vegas and i guess he, he got covid right after funny <laughs> funny how that works seems like a good way to get it yeah yeah um Anything else on the slate we should mention before we head out of here? I guess just the usual, you know, two games late. You probably shouldn't be too concerned if you're not super comfortable with your lineups and tournaments. There's, you know, only so many ways you can go. And, and anything that gets you to be somewhat unique on a two-game slate probably isn't bad. Agreed. Yeah. Get different one or two spots. Don't go – don't play the nine lowest hitters, uh, lowest owned hitters on the slate just for the sake of doing so. Play smart um but also try to play contrarian and avoid as many dupes as possible if you're taking some shots at these big tournaments subscribe like hit the notification bell that helps us out a ton as you guys know helps us continue to do this kind of content for free and uh if you listen to this on podcast 
go listen to our other shows. And if you're not listening to this on podcast and you'd like to, we've got a bunch of different channels over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Stitcher, whatever podcast uh, platform you guys use. Um, we are there. So go support us over there. Write us some nice reviews and uh, give us five stars if you're so inclined. Good luck tonight, everyone. Uh, we will be back. Uh, this duel will be back on Friday. It will be Josh and Adam tomorrow on the Strategy Show. See you then.